You're listening to the Premier Podcast Network. Today's episode of the After Chat is brought to you by Blue Chew. Bill. Bill's not here. This is Tex. I'm part of the Blue Chew crew. And I'm, you don't know, but I'm a country music singer. I got something for you right now. You ready? Oh, God. Blue Chew. It's for me. Blue Chew. It's for you. Have it in the north. Have it in the south. Hey, now. Just remember, put it in your mouth oh my. and chew. Are you feeling not quite like yourself? Sometimes I do feel like that. Well, now there's Blue Chew. BlueChew.com could be the answer to all of your problems. You know what? I'm looking for the answer. This is good. I'm getting lyrics while we're talking about Blue Chew. BlueChew.com brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis so you know they work. Hey, guy with guitar, pop a Blue Chew. Pop a Blue Chew. One's for me, one's for you. Oh, man. I don't even know where to go from here. But you'll know where to go when you use Blue Chew because it's going to get you back to your best self. You can take it anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill. So you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package. So no in-person doctor's visits, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. That's right. That's a... This I thought was going to be awkward, but it's the best thing I have. Blue Chew, it's for me, it's for you. That's well, awkward song. for some That's going to be on the country chart soon. Oh, my. And your uh, game can reach the top of the charts with Blue Chew. So you need to go to BlueChew.com. That's blue, again, like the color blue. BlueChew.com to get your first shipment absolutely free when you use the special promo code BILL. Just pay $5 shipping. That promo code again, B-I-L-L, BILL. Oh, I thought that was BILL. No, it's BILL. No matter how you say it, it's B-I-L-L to get your first shipment absolutely free. Hey, Blue Chew, Mr. Guy with the Guitar, is made in the U.S. And since in <laughs> Tex, Blue From Chew is... Ohio. Oh. But Ohio wasn't a good name. But we have Blue Chew in Ohio. We get it delivered right to my house, so I don't kind of be embarrassed or nothing. Like in the store, I get it right at my house. And you could be uh, hearing a lot of uh, Ohio's when you use BlueChew.com promo code BILL to get your first shipment free. It ships direct. It's cheaper than in a pharmacy. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the After Chat. Blue Chew, it'll give you a thrill. Blue Chew, code name is Bill. Thank y'all. BlueChew.com. Welcome to the After Chat. I'm Josh Chernoff, and I am joined by professional wrestling's lovable uncle, Bill Apter. Oh, I like that. Uncle Bill. Uncle Willie, if you will. You know, I could, there we go. Right back into an imitation. What by the that? way, we got so much After Chatter about the imitations that I did with James E. Cornette last yeah, week. We yeah. did, and that's not all that we, that we got related to the James E. Cornette interview. Uh, I want to I thank uh, Wrestling Inc., 
Bodyslam.com, Bodyslam.net. These guys uh, covered that, and and because of their article, there's another guy here. The interview, yeah, it was uh, there was a comment on Twitter by by, by it's a verified account too, okay. and he's, it seems like he's got a zillion followers. This guy named Seath Rollins. Oh, Bill. Oh. Josh, Seth come on. Rollins, everybody. Seth Rollins uh, responding to Jim Cornette, who had some uh, very flattering things to say, comparing him to uh, Ravishing Rick Rude. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that got a little back and forth and uh, definitely blew up the uh, the after chat. The pod uh, waves. Yeah, the pod waves. It really yeah. did. And you um, know what? I could see, I talked to Cornette earlier today, mm-hmm. and I could see definitely... Uh, if they were going for a retro Raw one night yeah. and making the current characters, characters from the past, ooh, mm. I could definitely see Seth Rollins in the guise of Rick Rude with the with the trunks, with the long uh, right. trunks now with the picture of Seth Rollins and doing the whole uh, butt wiggle. And uh, you, so, so, so let me ask you a question. Yeah. Uh, let's take another guy from WWE or Raw specifically. Okay. Who would you um, who would you make Braun Strowman into if it's a retro guy? If would I you could make bring him? any manager back or if I – oh, if I could make him a – A uh, retro guy. For example, Seth Rollins, Rick Rude. Okay. Braun Strowman? Uh, Braun Strowman, I'd have to say uh, somewhere between an earthquake and Andre the Giant. Yeah. Oh, that would be great. Yeah. Which one? Pick one. Uh, we'll go with Andre. Why not? He's not tall enough, though. Okay. Yeah. So well, you have, we'll you have one. Earthquake. You have one for me. Uh, yeah. Well, what I was going to say was I would have put him with uh, Bobby the Brain Heenan. If oh, I could. that would have been great. Yeah. Uh, okay. One for you. Yeah. yeah. Give me one. Is it ad libbing if you're asking me to ask you a question so sure, that you can give an answer? I don't know prepared? what you're going to be saying, so it's fine. Oh, you want me to just ask you a random question? No, I want you to ask me about who, uh, the retro thing that we're doing now. Okay, this re- okay. Well, now we're doing a retro. Okay, thing. yeah. Uh, okay, so uh, if you could pick one uh, referee and make Ooh. him an old referee, who would you? I don't know. That's ridiculous. Make him an old referee. You mean make him a make an him elderly? An old- make him an elderly referee. Danny Davis. Oh, I, what are we even talking about? I don't know. He's <laughs> gone off the rails. Yeah. Um, Danny right. Davis, d- d- he would be elder. Well, he would be older yeah. at this point. We're going to have him on the show, by the way. Okay. You remember Danny Davis? Of course I remember Danny the Davis. The bad guy referee of yeah. the Hart Foundation. I remember. He has a book out, and I definitely uh, have him on our list to get on and uh, do an after chat with him. Awesome. Yeah. Great. Looking yeah. forward to that. So yeah. what other feedback did you get from the Jim Cornette episode last Oh, week? well, as I said, the, the imitations they loved. And, of course, the comparison of Seth Rollins to Rick Rude. Mm-hmm. And also that he was so relaxed and so nice. Usually Jim Cornette eats up interviewers, so to say. And he didn't eat you and I up at all. He was very much at home. And he was like Uncle Jim. Yeah, you know what? It was a, of course, for me, it was an honor and a pleasure to be able to speak to one of the greatest managers of all time, uh, the greatest manager of all time, if I'm speaking to him. And uh, yeah, you know, it, it was great uh, to be able to be on there with somebody who, how can I say, shared in my admiration for you and also in uh, my reactions to some of the things that you say. Well, thank you. I really appreciate that. You know, his. Uh teaming of the various guys in the Midnight Express. Which Midnight Express person do you feel was the biggest strength of the team? Was it, I'm going to give you a choice. Okay. Norval Austin, 
um, Dennis Condry, uh, Bobby Eaton, Stan Lane. I'm going to say Bobby Eaton. Big Bubba? No, I'm going to say Bobby Eaton. Me too. When I th- when I think about that team, I I the first name that pops in my mind is beautiful Bobby. Beautiful Eaton. Bobby yeah. Eaton, yeah. Um, Which is what he does about five o'clock every day. Did you know that? <laughs> well, Bobby doing Bobby's Eaton. Oh my! That's it. You know the bad jokes are part of this. You know I don't think you really felt the spirit of the whole uh, Seth Rollins Rick Rude when I asked you to come up to ask me a question of if I took somebody today. Like Roman Reigns, mm-hmm. who might he have been? You know what it was it back was, then. I, I was still just uh, trying to figure reeling it out. over your uh, fascination with that butt wiggle and how that. No, no, it wasn't. There. That's what Rick Rude was known for. Yeah, but I let was, me. I would have said it was a hip gyration. Okay, hip gyration. Okay. But let me ask you this now. Yeah, so Roman me. Reigns. Yeah. You know, since you didn't really have a, a good one for the last one, I asked you, <laughs> okay. Roman Reigns. Okay, who from the past would have? Been like so basically what you're saying is you could take somebody today and, and repackage them with a previously used gimmick exactly okay. perfect like Seth Rollins Being Rick Rude as so Roman Reigns no I got what you're saying yeah. I just didn't know where I didn't so, I really didn't have one for Braun Strowman okay um, I'd like to hear the Aptichatters by the way tweet on this yeah this would be, be this is uh, see that's why I like to ad lib this thing no rehearsal yeah. Yeah. I don't think we've ever rehearsed this. No, no, but uh, let me see what the script here said. No, Roman Reigns. Do you have somebody that would have been... Roman uh, Reigns. You know what? I would have liked to... So first of all, if you're talking about a gimmick from like the... Now, are you bringing the gimmick from the 80s, let's say, into 2018? We could do that. Or are you taking Roman Reigns and... Placing him in someone's gimmick in... uh, That sounds bad. Either uh, way. Either way. Either way. Well, if Roman Reigns was around in, let's say, the 80s or early 90s, to me, I think he would have been a heel. I think he had heel written all over him. So who? Uh, I'm trying to think. I I don't know. I have to think about this. We can come back Uh, to this. Okay. Well, Roman, so uh, you know what? After chatters are going like, oh, I've got one, I've got one, I've well, got yeah, one. Yeah, the first thought is, huh, if this was the 80s, what would they have done with him? He would have been a head shrinker or something. Yeah, but, uh, exactly. That's okay. what I was thinking. He but would have been a Samoan. Well, I mean, he's a, he's a Samoan <laughs> he now. Is, he is. But, uh, no, I, you know, I don't know. He would have been a wild Samoan, possibly. Maybe a member of the Samoan SWAT team. Mm, that would mm. have been interesting. Okay, after chatters. Play, yeah. Josh, tell them where they can chat this out. Yeah, chat us. Uh, <laughs> chat at us. Over uh, on Twitter at the After Chat. Yeah. Uh, hit, hit us up on Facebook, facebook.com slash the After Chat, and somewhere else where you can now visit us, thanks to you, the After Chatters, is youtube.com slash the After Chat. We asked for you guys, we said, hey, come on, please just give us a couple more subscribes so we can get to that point where they'd give us a URL. And uh, man, not surprising, you guys blew it away. And girls, you all did. You uh, all did. No, it was actually only men. No, I'm just kidding. Huh. I have no idea. Just you know what? Yeah. It's time right now What's for, for? one of my favorite segments of the After Chat. Are you calling a spot? Headlock on Headlines. So Renee Young has become a steady broadcaster on WWE's Monday Night Raw. So right now, everything's going on with the women's evolution, Mm -hmm. of course, in WWE. So good placement. Your take, Josh, you know, usually ask my take. uh, Did she seem uh, comfortable to you on Monday Night Raw? 
You know, look, Monday Night Raw is Monday Night Raw. It's a, it, and it's three hours of a live broadcast, the, the flagship program. She seemed about as comfortable as a... Uh, as somebody doing this, like her second, I think this was her second time because she yeah, did, she sat yeah. in. Um, look, she'll get more comfortable over time. Um, I have no question in her ability to be able to grow into this part. Uh, there were some things that were, she had a couple of lines here and there that seemed a little forced. Maybe she was trying to get her character uh, or develop a character uh, behind the announce desk. Um, but I think it's going to be, there's going to be a learning curve. And uh, I, I'm, I don't want to judge until she's had a little bit more time. Yeah. The uh, thing now, Jonathan Coachman, as you know, is going to be moved to the uh, WWE network, the pay-per-views, yes. the pre-shows, the kickoff shows, and the uh, uh, as an analyst there. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to miss her in that position because I think she's really good. I agree. And I think that Coach is going to have absolutely no problem uh, fitting in. Not there. at all. That's, that's Not his at all. forte. Uh, but, yeah, I think, you know, look, this is going to be, no matter how much fanfare there was, um, if it's not working, they'll pull the plug on it. And I think that uh, they're going to give Renee a certain amount of time. Um, and I and I think she's going to grow into it. I think everyone's going to be happy. Well, I think I think she'll voice. be fine. Yeah, it's a very different voice, and I don't just and and I know it, it, it's literally a different voice, but um, she brings something different to the table. And I think to have the female perspective when you're trying to really build the uh, female division is a positive thing for them to have. But it's going to take some getting used to. For me, I, I being honest and and being critical, I suppose um, I wasn't a huge fan of her performance. Uh, but at the same time, like I said, I think she has to grow into it. I'm not suggesting that I would do any better in her, in her, uh, in her shoes. So, you know, uh, no, I, in, in her, I couldn't see you in heels. Well, and you won't. So good luck, Renee. We are really pulling for you. And, uh, we know that you're going to grow like Josh said, said in your position there as a broadcaster on the WWE Raw broadcast team. Certainly, congratulations. Yeah, in order. yeah. Now let's go to hell. I, I beg your pardon. Let's go to hell. Sunday, hell in the cell. Oh, there we so go. We have time now for our quickie pickies. Uh, I like that, quickie pickies. Well, at least somebody likes it. All right, uh, match number one here. Daniel Bryan and Brie Bella versus The Miz and Maurice. I say Brie Bella will pin Maurice. I say The Miz and Maurice go over. I'm not sure how, but I say they go over. No way. No way. Way. No way. No, 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 no way. No way, Jose? No, just no way in general. I know, because no, no way Jose da- will not be on this pay yeah, but, uh, but no, I do pick Daniel Bryan and his lovely wife to win that match. Yes? Yeah. Yes. No. Yes. Yes. All right. AJ Styles versus Samoa Joe uh, for the WWE Championship. It's going to be a great night for the fans of Samoa Joe because he will finally beat AJ Styles and win the WWE Championship. I am not as confident as you are about that. Why but, not? Uh, well, because you know why not? Because you don't know what their what their long term plan is here, and we still have uh, we have Survivor Series a couple months away. We have that gigantic show 
um, in Australia, in Australia, yeah. the Super Showdown. Which do they want Samoa Joe coming in as the WWE champion, or do they want AJ Styles? Samoa Joe. All right, I'm, I'm not changing it. Styles. I'm going to okay. go with AJ Styles. AJ Styles okay. to retain. AJ Styles to retain. But that's not going to happen. But that's not going right. to happen. The All new right. day. The new day against against TBD. Are you familiar with TBD? Yes, it's a group called To Be Determined. Yes. Uh, so at, so we are uh, recording this Tuesday. It is eight oh one as we record this. Uh, so PM un- unless I can check in and unless uh, they've announced who's going to be facing the new day in the first one minute of SmackDown, uh, we don't know. So whoever it's going to be, uh, I still say they're going to win. No, I say the New Day will not retain the yeah, title. That's what I'm saying. Whoever yeah. wins, yeah. whoever Wh- wins, whoever to gets go into picked. This, oh my! Right. Whoever gets picked as the challenger will beat the New Day for the championship. Agreed. Okay. Literally, could not We're have agreed. said it better myself. Okay. You had a little <laughs> trouble with that. Go ahead. Oh, speaking of a little trouble, Roman Reigns will be defending the WWE Universal Championship against Braun Strowman inside hell in a cell with and Mick Foley. A Mick guest Foley, right. Referee. Special guest referee. So I think, I don't know what role other than referee, of course, that Mick Foley is going to play in this, but I think he's going to have some effect on the outcome of this match. Mm -hmm. Because of what happened on Monday Night Raw, where Roman Reigns left Braun Strowman laying on the ground and Roman above him on the stage holding up the WWE Championship, the uh, Universal Championship, I feel that the... I don't know. I, I, I feel like the, that should have been Strowman. So fans would say, uh-oh, Roman Reigns is going to lose the belt. But here you have the superhuman Strowman laying there below Roman Reigns looking like he's defeated. And to promote right. this match, it should have been the other way around, in my opinion. I, I happen to agree with you. I, I, I don't get what they've done with Braun Strowman, he organically became the biggest face that they had in the company, arguably at least, and uh, and they turned him heel to me in an attempt to to just thwart the plans of of the fans cheering for him and to try and get them to cheer for Roman Reigns. And I, you know, do I know everything about wrestling? Um, no. Well, you were in the wrestling him. business for a while. You I, were a I wrestler. Was. Yes, and to me. I think, uh, as a fan as well, the fans don't like to be told outwardly what to think and what to feel. The fans sometimes need to be told what to think and what to feel. But part of the art of professional wrestling, in my opinion, is convincing the fans to go the way you want them to go without shoving it down their throat. Yeah, but now remember this, because I think you're looking at it a little too analytically. When I was growing up, Mm-hmm. When there was a champion and the challenger beat him to death on TV, I wanted to go to that match. I wanted to see that match in person because I wanted it. It convinced me that the challenger, because he was standing over the champion now, the challenger, there was going to be a title change. But here you had Roman Reigns holding the belt up, right, 
over Braun Strowman. So I'm like, not going to be a title change. This Braun Strowman's not the same Braun Strowman of a month ago. Right. Well, that's what I'm talking about. I, I think that Braun Strowman is being, I, I think he's being sacrificed. Um, my biggest concern, and you and I had spoken about this once before, um, my biggest concern for Braun Strowman was that they were going to turn him into the big show. And what I mean by that is a flip-flop back and forth. People mm-hmm. really care, but yeah. then they pull it away from them to the point where people are just, yeah, I don't care anymore. He's not intimidating. I mean, you have the big show who legitimately, when he walks out, you the thought in your head should only be he's going to win. That's the only thought. When you're talking right, about but you a, see, a, I don't giant... see that with Strowman now because of Monday night. Exactly. Okay. That's my. That's the point yeah. I'm making. You don't see that with the big show either, do you? No, not no. anymore. And I'm, anymore. I'm worried that they're doing that with Braun Strowman. Yeah, but, but, with but that, the, that's the big show, though, wait, wait, the, the big show, though, has become a pussycat, so to say. He does all the charity events. He's great in that role, and I really love seeing him because the kids love him. Okay. And the headline, Bill Apter calls the big show a pussycat. He is, yeah. Okay. He's I a just, pussy. Guy. I just hope they finish the sentence. I like that. Uh, all right. Ronda Rousey defending her women's her raw women's championship against Alexa Bliss. I don't think Ronda Rousey's gonna lose this match. I was not and again, I, I watch Monday Night Raw every week, but I was not a fan of seeing Ronda in a tag team match last night. And I know they're trying to heat up Ronda against Alexa Bliss, who is on the other team, so of course. I, that's not but, what I think is happening. But I, 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 want, I need to see Ronda Rousey like, um, like a Brock Lesnar mm-hmm. and be kept as more of a special attraction than like a tag team attraction on a Monday Night Raw. So, uh, look, I think there are a number— Ronda's going to win, though. There are a number of people on that roster that could benefit from uh, uh, not being overexposed. Um, however, I said a couple of, I I believe it may have even been our first episode, um, that I thought where we were headed was for Natalia to turn on Ronda Rousey. I thought Um, the same thing. Jim the Anvil Neidhart, uh, tragically passed away and there was no way that they could turn her heel, uh, literally a couple nights later because I believe that's when they were planning to do it. This is just my opinion. I don't know. This is just what I thought. Um, now that they're kind of, I think the whole tag team match thing and everything, I think they're kind of working back into that. And I think that this is going to result in some sort of, uh, uh, screw job, perhaps. And, uh, I don't know that she's going to lose the title though. I wouldn't be surprised if it happens after she successfully defends the title. So who's going to win the match? I'm going to say Ronda Rousey. Okay. Uh, our second Hell in a Cell match. Jeff Hardy versus Randy Orton. They've really been building this up as a blood feud. They have, and I think that Randy Orton is kind of on a uh, uh, his millionth comeback mm-hmm. tour, and I think I see Randy Orton winning this match. Okay. Uh, what do you? Who do you call? I agree. Okay. I think Jeff Hardy is going to jump off the top of the cell with a swanton uh, through a table, and that's going to be it. His swan song. Yeah. Yeah. His um, swanton song. There you go. He uh, said, there you go again. Yeah, That's eight. That purposely for go me. ahead. 
singles match uh, for the WWE SmackDown Women's Championship, Charlotte Flair versus Becky Lynch. Um, I can see Charlotte Flair come back and uh, have that belt. Yeah, I think she's going to retain the championship. Me too. I th- but I think this feud's going to continue. When I said have that belt, meaning retain the belt. Okay. Yeah. If you yeah. say so. Uh, Dolph Ziggler and Drew McIntyre, who are the uh, the WWE Raw Tag Team Champions, will be defending against Shield members Dean Ambrose and Seth Rollins. Well, the fans want to see Ambrose and Rollins win, mm-hmm. but I don't think that's going to happen. I think there is a longevity factor with McIntyre and Dolph Ziggler that we're going to see them for quite a long time holding those belts and feuding with various uh, members of the Shield. I think Roman will get involved again as well. I agree that uh, that the, that they are not the Shield will not win the championships. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I really hate what they're doing with Braun Strowman, Dolph Ziggler, and Drew McIntyre. Here's here's what I think. Number oh, one. Oh well, three on three. Well, number one, oh, I get that. But yeah. and now it's like his like dogs or whatever he's calling yeah, them. It's yeah. ridiculous. But I think number one, it belittles Braun Strowman. He should be a monster on his own doing his thing. Among men. Was. Right. Yes. Number two, having him there, uh, him and Drew standing next to Dolph Ziggler makes him look like a midget. I was gonna say that. Right, where he does not uh appear to be intimidating. He he looks more like he should be a manager. Additionally, having Drew standing next to Braun Strowman is minimizing the monster that Drew could be. Yes, because they look, well, the same monstrous size. No, Braun Strowman's bigger than him. Yeah, but when I saw them on TV the other night, it it almost looks like the two of them are together and Dolph Ziggler is the manager. He looks like the midget manager. I know. Do you think I'm your inner monologue? What's that? I just said that. That's where I heard it. All right, so that's it for the uh, for for Hell in a Cell, the pay per view. Uh, we will have a, a recap on that next week. Um, but at this point, Bill, I think we're going to introduce everybody to a new segment on the After Chat. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about? how this came to be. Well, I'll tell you how this came to be. Uh, this came to be from a tweet from Thank last week's... Thank you for asking. Uh, yeah, from last week's, last week's uh, Jim Cornette episode. We received a, a tweet over at the After Chat. That's Twitter, uh, at the After Chat, from one uh, star maker, Kenny Bolin. And he felt that perhaps he could lend something a little more than Jim Cornette lent. Well, as as people know, or if you don't know, that Kenny Bolin was a, a fairly regular figure on the OneWrestlingVideo.com after chat mm-hmm. that I did there. And uh, he really drew a lot of fans to watch and listen to him spewing uh, words probably that you wouldn't care for if you liked a particular wrestler. So... Uh, Somewhere in the last few weeks, Kenny tweeted out something about maybe appearing on the after chat. Yes. So I said I will personally reach out to Kenny Bolin, and I did, and it took him about uh, a second to say when. I have to tell you that this segment, the opinions expressed on this segment are those of Kenny Bolin and don't reflect the opinions of me. So— 
for those of you who felt that uh, softballs have been thrown uh, on this show, this is, I think, the, the <laughs> truth behind this. I is, uh, is, yeah, we, we thought who better to uh, throw some hard balls than a, a, maybe a, a giant bowling ball, if you will. You see what I did there? Well done. Thank you very much. Because this new segment is called Ten Pins from the Bowling Alley with Kenny Bolin. Hello, Kenny Bolin. Welcome to the After Chat. Uh, yeah, well, first of all, uh, do y'all not know my middle name, my nickname? Bill, surely to God you do. Starmaker. Starmaker. There you go. Yeah. Starmaker. The, the king of managers. That, that's all. If, if I'm not mistaken, didn't you used to wander around down here at OVW doing some DCW television back in my day? Yeah, I think wandering around is the best way to describe so my time around down the, in, uh, in, in, in to quote Bobby Heenan, making a nuisance out of yourself. I, I believe, believe I believe so. Uh, yeah, no, you and I cross paths a, a bit down there, and uh, very happy to have you on the After Chat. For some reason, whenever anyone refers to me as Kenny Bolin, for whatever reason, I'm offended. I haven't figured that out yet. Well, why? I was, why I am not called King or Star Maker. It irks me a little bit. Well, I would have called you the Star Maker King, Kenny Bolin, but wait I was a minute, reading wait from minute. the script that Bill uh, forced yeah, me to Bill, read from. No, the wait Bill a minute. Lives, the, script. Jerry Lawler is the king. I don't, I don't think Bill Hafter's had an original thought in his life, and if he'd done any <laughs> research, he would know that Jerry Lawler stole that name from me. That's another show. I'm sure I've talked about it before, but we'll cover that on another day. I heard a lot of people stole a lot of things from me. The thieves, son. Thieves around here. So today, I had asked you to come up with a list of the 10 wrestlers you would never consider managing. And you said to me, okay, I'll come up with a list of the 10 douchebags that I would never. It it, it didn't take long. It didn't take long. All right, so let's start at number 10. Two of these are not douchebags. I will make that clear right now. Two of these are not douchebags, but I felt I had to add them to the list. Well, let's start with number 11. Okay. (laughs) Number 11 of the top 10. Mayara came up with this. This is number 11. We had an extra added bonus name, and she said, Kenny, you'd never manage Rob Conway. I said, why is that? And she said, well, because he stinks. So that was... uh, I, I don't know where that came from. I mean, may, maybe the man didn't launder his equipment on a regular. I don't know. <laughs> Myara came up with that, so that's all on her. I thought Rob Conway smelt like a lovely man. I managed him for many years. He was the only three-time member of Bowling Services. So I can't say I'd never manage him, but maybe she means I'd never manage him again. Maybe that's what she means. Okay, we'll accept being, that. We're coming up on the seven-year retirement of Kenny Bowling from, from professional wrestling in OVW. That's September the 23rd. Happy anniversary. Could be a bigger day than today. I don't know. That's just classless for me to say that. But there's been a lot of classless <laughs> things said by people from New York who are currently the president running their yappers today. So if he can say uh, unkind crap, so can I. So Go right. No. Go for it. Kenny Bowling for 10. president. Number 10. Number 10. Douchebags, I would no longer manage get than the in the again category. John Cena. Why not? Because he's ungrateful. He would have been nothing without me. I took him from dirt, elevated him to the top of his game. No one ever heard of him. He was the prototype. He was a dadgum robot out on the West Coast somewhere. And I took him and made a man out of him, made a rustler out of him, taught him how to do his promos, taught him everything that he knows how to do, taught him how to travel up and down the roads, how to get along with people, how to be I didn't teach him how to watch porno. He learned that on his own. But I would never manage him again. He was ungrateful. He didn't send me any of his millions of dollars. He knows I need 
new dentures that cost $35,000. You know, I need the implants. I don't want that cheap crap. And he should personally be paying for my new dental implants. So now I'm going to have to go to Mark Cuban, my other billionaire friend. So no more. I'm not going to manage John Cena anymore. Well, I just I want to mention here that the opinions expressed by star maker (laughs) Kenny Bolin are they do not reflect anyone here at the after chat. (laughs) I don't think John Cena's a douchebag, but wants my opinion against millions of others, you know? Oh. All right. All right, number 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 nine. nine. Number nine. Another douchebag. (laughs) Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar? Brock Lesnar thinks he's a tough guy, thinks he's a badass. He and I confronted each other uh, back in the late 99s, the early 2000s, to where he thought I kissed his woman. All right, I, I did. I kissed her a million times, but he didn't know it. He just saw the one time that I didn't kiss her. It was a it was a Hollywood hug, a Hollywood kiss. I was hot and sweaty. I didn't want to get sweat all over like I'd done the night before. So I didn't want I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to get her all hot and sweaty like I'd done the night before. So he gets all hot about it, and he, he starts getting mad at me and yelling, the show's over. There's no fans to entertain. So he's really mad at me at a kiss that I never got. And he come over, and he pie-faced me. Ooh. Well, he goes on. He's made millions and millions of dollars. Big deal in the MMA. Big deal in the WWE. Back to the MMA. Back to the WWE. Tried football. Tried flying a plane. Drives a bus. Drives an RV. Man's done it all. Never sent me a dime for elevating elevating his fame when he you know what he could have made a lot more money but when he pie faced me I didn't go down I didn't go down like some coward like some punk like some loser some some jackass who wasn't a man and couldn't stand up for himself and I want you to know when I balled out my fist and I was about ready to knock Brock Lesnar out right there in the middle of that high school gymnasium up came Sylvester Turkey and Turkey. Let him know, hey, you want to fight somebody? You want to fight somebody? Fight somebody your size. Fight me. I said, no, no, I don't need you, Turkey. Step back. I got this. I'll beat him within a quarter inch of his life. But I want you to know that Turkey wouldn't let that happen. And Brock Lesnar left there with his tail between his legs, and he didn't want any part of Kenny Starmaker bowling and apparently Sylvester Turkey. Wow, so I will, never manage him. I will never manage him again. Brock he should have a lucky guy. Really? He is, he's damn lucky. Number eight. Life. With my left hand only, by the way. <laughs> number eight. Oh, yeah, here's another one. Batista. Really? Y'all remember him? Yeah. Batista. The creature from the Black Lagoon, more or less, is what he was down here in OVW. They brought him up from that stinky Ohio River. They rose him like, like a fish from a river. Well, I guess that's what it was, because they claimed he had gills. He didn't have no gills, because if you put him underwater for more than three or four minutes, he'd have died. So he didn't have any gills. He wasn't a tough fish that he thought he was, so he's up here running around like a demon. And we made him we made him somebody. We made him famous. And he went all over the world as 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 the uh, All over the, the galaxy actually. Well, I, I didn't track many of those matches, but all over the world he did very well as the, as the demon, the demon of the deep. And then he goes to the WWE. They get with him. They put a they put a money box around his neck. They drop him in a suit and then the, the gig was up. The gig was up. And then they, he always used to complain about, well, I get sick a lot because they made me shave my head in OVW and I got sick. Well, if that's the case, 85% of the NBA would be sick and throwing up and there wouldn't be no ball games. <laughs> Claim being sick for being bald, that's just a bullshit excuse for the fact that you can't wrestle. 
And I don't take too kindly to people that make excuses because I don't make excuses. Of course, I'd still be managing the day if I hadn't gotten ill, but I'd be one of the greatest managers of all time, and I hate people that make excuses. So we'll move off Batista. He's lucky I didn't slap him around a little bit too when he was here, but I didn't. I just hit him in the head with a briefcase once, and he no-sold it. No-sold it. All right, let's go to number seven. Number seven, Shinsuke Nakamura. Really? I'm not going to manage Shinsuke Nakamura because he's about to wrap up here in America. He ain't going to be around long enough for me to manage because he's fed up with the way he's been booked in the WWE. He's convinced that not even Kenny Bolin could save it. Did you hear what I just said, Kenny? Kenny the King, Starmaker Bolin. Yes. The Lord of Managers, the, the king of them all, the greatest that ever lived, couldn't even resurrect the career of Shinsuke Nakamura. And I think I'm going to tell you now, I think he's about to quit the wrestling business. He's done. He's fed up. He's tired of the bad booking, and he's going to go back home. And he's not going to be around here anymore. And I thought he was the greatest talent in the WWE. So I'm not going to put him in douchebag category. <clears throat> but they, they screwed him up, and he doesn't even feel that Kenny Bowling could resurrect his career right now. So number seven, Shinsuke. But I do, deal, I, stu, I do still deal with his brother, who helps me in my headphones that I sell all over the world, Shinsuke Nakafamura. And I, he, I still deal with him. <laughs> oh, Good man. Number, number, number six. six. Number six. Oh boy, here's another one. Randy Orton. Oh, Randy Orton. <laughs> Randy Orton does a lot of things in WWE that he didn't learn from me. That I didn't teach him. We feuded with Randy quite a bit. Me and John Cena. Me and Rico Constantino. Me and uh, and uh, and uh, God, you almost can name about a hundred wrestlers, and I think we all feuded with Randy Orton. And Randy Orton's another one that went up there. Could he, he never did join Bowling Services. He had a couple of opportunities. He never did do it. Could have actually been a big star. And I even tried to sign him on OVW TV. Once he'd gone to the WWE, he had become a world champion. And he came back to do a special appearance at OVW. But, of course, he didn't have the title. Of course, he couldn't keep it. Of course, he lost it because he didn't have good management. He didn't have good training. He didn't have good people in his corner. So he comes down here naked as a jaybird with no belt. So I interrupted his interview politely and said, hey, loser, <laughs> you ain't got no belt. You're down here. You look, you, you look lost. You got no soul. You got no energy because you don't have your belt. Why don't you sign with Bowling Services? Take me with you to the WWE. Get me on all those first-class uh, first flights. Get me the top-notch catering, the four-star hotels we stay in every night, and I will take you to the top. I'll get, he says, but Kenny, I've already been the world champion. I said the key word, Ben, you're no longer the world champion. Sign me, son. Sign me. Let me sign you. Let's do it that way. And I will make you the biggest star that ever lived in the history of professional wrestling. And he did okay. He won a couple of titles. and He, he won, did. But he never could keep it. And if I'd been with him, he would have never lost the title because he'd always had me in his corner. And I'd always been looking out for him. And even with my ill health and, 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 and practically an invalid at times, I've been in the hospital many times, I would have wheeled up to ringside in my wheelchair, and I would have found a way to keep the belt on Randy Orton. We would have been a good team, other than when he uh, used to go to the movie theater and, and, and drop my name to get to see free movies. But that's a whole other story. We won't even bring that up today. I don't even want to hear about it. Not a douchebag. So number, oh, he's a douchebag. Oh, no. <laughs> he's a douchebag. Because anybody that was ever affiliated with me that ever walked around backstage 
pulling out his tiny little penis and rubbing it and trying to get writers to shake their hands, I'd have fired him right on the spot, and I'd have no longer been managing him. And we'd have both probably been out of a job because I'm not going to manage to a penis handler running around the back trying to shake hands with the writers. I don't like it. It's not how I raise my son. I know he'd never do that, and I wouldn't expect Randy Orton to do it either. But apparently you can't help the boys, so no, I will not manage Randy Orton, and yes. Again, the opinions expressed by Kenny Boland are not necessarily the opinions of anyone here on the Just because Kenny Boland would not shake somebody's hand after they've rubbed uh, rubbed a piece in it doesn't mean that Bill Apter would not. Yeah, I was going to say, so one of you disagree with me. There's got to be a tie-in with Bluetooth here, isn't there? Recently. Is that what you're telling me? You know, generally, I don't, uh, this is not my style here. So, as a, uh, as a rule, you don't do that? No, it's, <laughs> as, a, as a rule, I generally don't discuss this topic, but this Penises? is. Hey, the only one we're promoting Blue, Blue Chew. Chew. Hey, Correct. Hey, you all brought up Randy Orton, not me. So, number, uh, where are we now? I think we're at me. number five. Are we at number five? Now? Yes. Well, number five, the Midnight Express. Okay. Really? Be. Oh, they're tainted. They were managed by a loser that I think, I don't know if y'all have had him. Have y'all ever had Jimmy Cornette on here? As a matter of fact, we have. Yes. Well, I, I would I would burn that show because that's obviously not going to get the ratings I'm going to get. That, that, <laughs> that show, you can just trash that one. The Midnight <laughs> Express. And let's, let's face it, they elevated Jimmy. Jimmy didn't elevate them. The Midnight Express was already established. They used a stolen name that Paul Heyman came up with first. Randy Rhodes and Dennis Condry were the first ever Midnight Express. Randy Jimmy, Rose, yeah. Jimmy's been a knockoff and a thief his entire life. He stole the name the Midnight Express. He stole the name the Heavenly Bodies. That was Don and Al Green, the Mean Greens, the Heavenly Bodies. So he stole that name of another team that he had. And he's just not an original thinker. And he has tainted every wrestler he's ever been with. None of his guys are still still working. Have you noticed that? You noticed None when of it, his guys are still a big draw in the business. When, I've still got John Cena. If John Cena shows up tomorrow, wherever arena he's going to be in, he's going to be the biggest draw in the house. Uh, Dolph Ziggler, one of the biggest stars in the business right now. The Miz managed him, another huge star in the wrestling business. Um, I'm probably leaving out some names, but those are the three that come. Uh, Damian Sandow was a huge star, a huge star just before he wrapped it up. Mm-hmm. Brock Lesnar, who I elevated by not beating him up in, in OVW in a gym when I, when I saved him, let him walk out of there with some dignity. He's still a big star. Randy Orton, who I refused to shake his hand because he liked to rub his penis a lot. He's still a big star. Everybody that I've ever had any contact with is still a big star in the wrestling business, unless they've gotten sick or died. But, well, but Jimmy, I mean, what a fake. What a couldn't even come up with his own team. Has there ever been another group called Bowling Services? Even his little nickname, the Louisville Lip. Will you stop it? That was Muhammad Ali. I mean, he can't even come up with his own nickname. He can't come up with his own wrestling teams. He is a fake and a phony. He's faker than Donald Trump. We are definitely going to have to have the two of you on uh, to discuss some of this. Oh, but in the meantime, I've, I've had two or three debates with him face. for the last 10 or 12 years, and I've eaten him alive every time. He's not qualified to debate me. You know why? Because he's not an original thinker. He can't think on his feet. He's never had an original thought in his life, and he don't want no part of me when it comes to debating professional wrestling. I have elevated and made all my guys stars, and there's still stars and millionaires today. 
Jimmy Cornette's guys are broken penniless. They're, they're, they get drunk and lay around in back alleys with whiskey bottles in their pockets because they relied on Jimmy to make them stars, and now they're broke and they have no money, just like Jimmy Cornette. So number four. Jimmy, Jimmy's a drunk, too. Did you know that? No. Now. Oh, he's, he's addicted to alcohol. He's a drunk. Well, then uh, people can not share a, lot a of drink people. with him at the uh, Keystone Comic Con this, yes. this Friday. I'm surprised he stays sober at those things. You know what? He's in Philadelphia this weekend. Yeah, I'm going to be with him. Really? Well, yeah. well, give him a breathalyzer. Keep him sober for me. <laughs> don't let him get all liquored up down there and start spouting off stuff. Don't, don't let him badmouth me because I have to come down there and get physical with him. And I don't want to go to Philadelphia. They yeah. might be in line to that hurricane. I think that hurricane is going to hit Philadelphia. Oh, I hope not. Well, could happen. That's where we are. So number four, Kenny Boland, star maker. Al Roker told me personally that everybody in Philadelphia will die if they stay there this weekend. That's what, what Al Roker told me. Okay. <laughs> can't, you can't argue with Al Roker. No, you can't argue you can't. with Al Roker. I wouldn't want to do that. If there's weather, one man. thing that people can take away, there's one thing people take away from the after chat. So, no, no. I saw him on TV today. He said, run or die. That's your choice. Philadelphia. <laughs> he may have been talking about exercising. Really? Um, number, number four. four. I would be saying that. Uh, number four. This is going to shock you. This is going to be a name y'all didn't expect to come up. Carrie, uh, I, I think I'm pronouncing it right. Carrie Sane or Carrie Sane? Carrie Sane, yes. The, the new yes. Japanese sensation. Yes. About probably mm-hmm. on yes. the way to the WWE. Yes. I would not manage her. Why not? And you know why? <clears throat> sexual attraction. Oh. Sexual attraction. Yep. Yep. I've already gotten the word. She's been liking a lot of my comments on Twitter. And I've heard through the grapevine that Carrie Sane is attracted to the old star maker. Of course. Uh, wants to have my babies is what I've been told. And uh, not that I wouldn't mind setting aside a few minutes a day to do that, but I'm a businessman. I like to elevate people. I like to make bigger stars out of them than what they were when I found them, which is what I've done every single time. And I feel that her sexual attraction towards me would, would interfere with that. And I kind of think she's kind of cute too. I mean, you know, I'm 58. She's probably what about 28? You know, just a slight little 30 year difference there. But you got to admit, you've seen the pictures of me. I got one on Twitter right now. I look like a viral 25 year old man. What's, I mean, I'm, what's the no, virus? The girls, the girls don't know I'm no virus, <laughs> and the girls don't know I'm 58. They don't. They they see a 25 year old guy when they see me. So I'm telling you, uh, it would be a sexual, be a sexual type of a misguidance thing. She would be on to me. I would kind of like her a little bit. And who knows, a little hugging and a little kissing. And all of a sudden, both our careers are dead. And this, hey, look what happened to Les Moonyes. Or Moonves or <laughs> Moonboots or whatever. C- CBS. CBS. The CBS guy. Not and CBS he, fans. He was it's married CBS. to a hot Asian girl. Everybody knows how the king loves the hot Asians. That's why I love Carrie. Or Carrie or however she pronounces If I ever get with her, I'll have to ask her how she pronounces her name. I want to hear it from her first and not from others. But I've got a thing for the sexy Asian girls, and here Les Munez had a sexy Asian girl, and he's blown it. I got a feeling she's going to leave him. I mean, I don't think she likes the fact that he was out honky tonking around with about twelve to fifteen other women and forcing them to do things they didn't want to do. Everybody knows the king would never do that. I, matter of fact, there's been many women that have forced me to do things I didn't want to do, like, like walk and pay for the meal, this <laughs> money. A lot of things I didn't want to do in that relationship. No matter your Listen, allowance. If you, if, you, if you change your mind, you can go to bluechew.com, use the promo code BILL, and get your yeah. first month free. And that should uh, 
that should take care of you for the uh, for your weekend. I may have to look into that. All right, number three. Uh, number three. Oh my God, y'all ready for this? Oh yeah, Os- Oscar. Oh, wait, Oscar. wait, from from Oscar. Men, Oscar from Men on a Mission. Oh my. No, that's Oscar. Oh, Oscar, Oscar not Oscar. Oscar. Okay. Crying out loud! No, Oscar, the 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 the, uh, the Japanese sensation. Yes. Why would uh, you not manage her? Similar, similar, similar differences. Uh, the same thing, kind. Uh, we had, you know, she was going to be the biggest star in the world. I told everybody she was going to be her and Shinsuke. They screwed it up. They botched it. Uh, even she probably feels that the great Kenny Starmaker Bowling cannot resurrect or save her career. And on top of that, once again, sexual attraction. I hear she's got a thing for the king. Mm. Those Asian women know I love them. The word gets out. Once they get over here to the States and they start getting their contracts, what do I got to do to meet Kenny Bowling? How can I get hooked up with Kenny Bowling? Can he be my manager? Can he be my husband? Can he be my lover, my side piece? They don't care. They just want Kenny Bowling in their life. And I don't want to screw up their career anymore. The WWE's already done. So, Oscar, honey, toots. As Bobby Heenan would have called you. Can't say that no more. That's right. Les Funes called some girls toots, and look where he's at. He's out of a job. Oh, my. oh he's going to get a $100 million payoff in the process, but he's out of a job. So, uh, Well, that's quite got, uh, magnanimous of you to, yeah. to give up well, a, a career with her. Right there. That's two Asian girls that, that I do think are kind of cute, mm-hmm. that I wouldn't mind having a, a relationship with, but due to my interest in their professionalism and their career, I'm going to have to be the bigger professional and stand back and not manage either of those two fine young ladies. That is very professional of you. Number two. You ain't ain't going to beat it. Number two. Here we go. Now we're getting to the El Douchebagos of the douchebag list. (laughs) Bob Holly. Okay. Bob Holly? Fortunately, I don't have to manage Bob Holly. He was down here in OVW for a period of time. And he wants, because I was in charge, not a lot of people know this, I was in charge of booking everybody to do their autograph shows. Mm -hmm. And when you're in OVW, you don't get paid to do autograph shows because you consider it taking one for the team. I took many for the team. Rico Constantino took many for the team. John Cena took them for the team. Mark Henry took them for the team. But, oh, poor old Bob Holly, he thought he was worth $750 a show. Big Show thought he was worth $10,000 a show, and he found out the hard way that wasn't the case. But Bo Bob Holly, we went to do this autograph show, and, and Seven, I don't know if a lot of people remember Seven down here or not. You probably do. Well, Seven told him. Now, Seven went on to be Mordecai to help you all out a little bit. Yes, okay. The solid white outfit. Well, don't worry. A lot of other people forgot that gimmick ever existed, too. So he, he apparently told Bob Holly that I made over $750 off his autograph signing. I said, well, to do that, we'd have had to charge each person that asked me for an autograph about 150 bucks pop. I said, I don't think that happened. So I let him know. I said, no, Bob, we do not get paid for autographs down here. When you're down here helping out OVW, you're supposed to be helping out. And no. So he got very violent about it, wanted to beat me up, which you couldn't have done. And he wanted to, uh, he wanted to uh, try to punk me out at one of the television shows threatening me during the course of the show that he was going to beat $750 out of me if I didn't if I didn't cough it up. And I said, well, you better start beating, asshole, because I, you are not getting 750 bucks out of me, even if I had have made $750 off of you. If I had have made that much, I would have had permission to have done so. But I didn't make a nickel off you. I made what you were worth, 
So, no, there ain't going to be no $750. So, if you're going to beat my ass, I guess today's going to be the day you're going to try to do it. And and he might have been able to because he was a roided up hothead freak is what he was. And uh, see, on Bill's show, I couldn't talk bad about anybody. Bill don't want no heat with anybody. I don't care. I'll, I'll get <laughs> there, but I don't give a damn. No, we're clo- we're good. We're good on here because all the heat goes on Josh. Yeah, yeah. no, I take this you, is yeah. his he segment. He don't mind. He don't yeah, mind. Hey, I'm yeah. used to it. And in the number one <laughs> spot, <sighs> number one. This ain't this ain't bad for about four minutes notice, is it? It's been a great top ten list. <laughs> no, this isn't one. bad for a ten minute segment. What going to go 10 and the number one person I would not manage. And it hurts me to say this, Jerry, the King Lawler. Why? Wow. That's a shock. I'm not going to call him a douchebag because I've been a friend of Jerry Lawler's for 40, 44 years now, but Jerry Lawler will have to admit one day before he dies and he's died two or three times. And many people thought I was going to die two or three times. We're kind of running neck and neck as to who's going to make it to a fourth one. Um, he won't admit in public that he stole the name King from me. Is that right? Was, oh, of course it's right. Everybody, Have I ever lied to you yet, Bill? Never. You know of? Never. Every single time I tell a story, more often than not, it's right and truthful. And I'd be dadgum if that I hadn't told the story a hundred times about Jerry Lawler stealing the name King from me in 1974 when I was known in Oldham County as the King of Kickball, the Lord of the Seventh Grade. And I want you to know that when he heard my little friends calling me King, he went away for a while. And we always wondered where Jerry went. And some people heard that, well, Jerry was given a crown and a robe and uh, the guy that was going by the name King died. He died in a plane crash, and Jerry Lawler inherited it. That is bull. That was that Bobby is, Shane. That, that's the guy. That's, that's the lie that everybody's been telling. That is not the truth. The truth of the matter, and you can believe me because my book says, if you ordered it on Amazon.com today, it says, I probably screwed you to the mostly true stories of Kenny Starmaker Bolt. I love the book. Most of my stories are true. And this is another one that, that I'm pretty sure is. He heard he overheard those kids calling me king in the back over and over. And he was gone, man, he's 14 years old and he's known as the king. And I'm 24 years old and I'm just known as plain old Jerry Lawler, managed by Sam Bass and partnered with Jim White, who went on to marry a fine young black lady named Lily. And she was then known as Lily White. That was a tough name to have back in those days in the 70s. That was not an easy, easy thing to pull off. But I ended up becoming very good friends with Jim White, and he was a class act, and I really thought a lot of him. He used to come and see me at the Barberville shows and to see the boys, and, and I always wanted to take him upstairs and meet, meet the boys and inspire them and tell them about his career. But he was convinced none of them would know who he is, and sadly enough, he was probably right. We had so many guys that knew nothing about the old wrestlers, but Jim White was a legend in this area and especially in uh, Knoxville and Memphis and Nashville and all through the South. And I was disappointed when him and Lawler broke up, but after Sam Bass died, that kind of faded away. And uh, so Jerry went away for a while, and then we come back and we hear this. And and Jerry never really told, what was his name again? Bobby Zane? Bobby Shane. Yeah, that's the guy. Uh, That's that's the lie Lawler's been telling for all these years. And... uh, and, and a lot of people believe, but he never even told that story for years because he knew the truth. So then he came up with this Bobby Shane story. Bobby Shane, is that the name? Yes. Yeah, see, I got it right that time. 
You did. I know, I know it's a lie, and I don't want to remember the guy's name. There was no crown. There was no robe. There was no king. There was no plane crash. All this stuff was made up. It never happened. And then Jerry Lawler, mark it down. It's the God's honest truth. Stole my name, the king, from when I was the king of kickball in 1974 in Oldham County Middle School. And I said, you know what? I'm flattered by that. I just had a professional wrestler steal my name. And one day I'm going to be a professional wrestler and he's going to give me my name back. Cause surely to God, he'll be retired by then. Cause I had every intention of being a great wrestler, at least by 1982, three years, you know, three years of college. And then on to being a professional wrestler. And then I said, screw college. I'm going to be a salesman. I'm going to sham. Pe- I mean, I'm going to deal people. I'm going to give people great deals. Did I say sham? I didn't mean that. And, um, <clears throat> so 82 was my plan to be in the wrestling business because Jimmy Cornette was in, Jerry Lawler was in, two of my best friends. No, no, no. Never paved the way for me. Didn't do anything to help me. Had to get in all my own when I met Nick Goodless, when I was pulling a scam. I mean, uh, when I was returning some merchandise at service merchandise down in Nashville, Tennessee, and Nick Goodless put me in the wrestling business. A lot of people said it was the greatest meeting ever held by two crooks. And I kept looking around wondering who the other crook was. I think some people thought it was me. Hey, hey Kenny, 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 we ha- we're just about out of time. We have someone oh, waiting. We have we have somebody else waiting in the wings here who no, we need I to interview. No, I haven't finished my Jerry Lawler story yet. I haven't told you all about how he stole stole my name and he never gave it back to me. Well, I just wanted to be the king of managers. I was even going to let him be the king of wrestling, and I wanted a peaceful uh, summit to all this. I wanted to meet like 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 uh, Kim Jong and then Donald. Well, I or, think you know. Look, I, I think we can have you come back again we're going to need to do that we, we have raymond we have ray mysterio waiting we, we have ray mysterio ray mysterio jr he just, yeah we, are you two out of your damn mind what do you, you want to bump me the hottest thing in pro wrestling podcast and you want to bump me we're not for bumping ray you we, we mysterio just, ray mysterios who you want to bump me for yeah Who's we're out of we're out of time kenny i think you know what i think we're going under a tunnel here no, no, there's well, no tunnel. We lost him. We lost the signal. Unbelievable. No. All right. Well, uh, we were not anticipating some of the things that Kenny Boland had to say, and I don't know why, because he's he's the star maker. This is the excuse this me. Is what he says. Excuse and, me. As the uh, producer of this show, he did say something about. Oh, you said something about. Uh, uh, this is the first time I've produced your show here. The other chap here is no longer here but i did mention that i I heard you two mention something about a blue a chewing something blue could you inform me um what this is chewing blue is uh first would you like to introduce yourself offensive stereotype yes my 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 name is matthew and i'm the new producer of your show so uh, i i don't have this bluing chewing thing on my on my paperwork here oh well, then allow me to tell you a little bit about Blue Chew. Oh, yeah. So, right? All right. So, Blue Chew, yeah. uh, that's blue like the color blue. Uh, blue Chew can be found at bluechew.com. Oh. They bring you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. Wait a minute. Yes. Viagra and Cialis, that makes you... Uh... Yeah, you'll want to talk to Bill about that one. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work twice as fast as a pill. So you can be ready uh, whenever you would need to be ready. Yeah, but you see, it would be very, um, you know, like if I got those other things, I'd have to go to the the, uh, 
to the apothecary and uh, say, can yeah. I get those? Uh, so I don't want anyone to see that I'm getting something like Blue Chew. Oh no, Matthew, you don't have to worry about that one bit because with Blue Chew, it's prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package. So no in-person doctor visits uh, oh. or apothecary visits. Oh. No waiting in the pharmacy or again, the apothecary. And best of all, no more awkwardness. Oh yeah, it would be very awkward. That You mean it comes right to your front door? Yes, and now it sounds to me like you are from the U.S. and trying to sound like you're from the U.K., so you'll appreciate that this is made in the U.S.A., and since Bluetooth prepares and ships it directly, they're actually cheaper than a pharmacy. And right now, Matthew, we have a special deal for our listeners, our after chatters. Yes. They can visit Bluetooth.com and get their first shipment absolutely free when no. they use the special promo code BILL. Not William. Nope, Bill. B-I-L-L. -L. Just pay $5 shipping. That's wonderful. What if you don't have American coinage? Well, you can use a credit card. That's all right. Yeah. I've got one of those. Oh, that's I've got UK Express. All right. Well, again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com. Promo code Bill, B-I-L-L, -L, to try it free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster alternative, and we thank them for sponsoring the After Chat. Oh, very good. Blue Chew, I think I love you. There's someone I've wanted to get on here since we started this show. He was one of the, uh, one of the people on the top ten we must have guests. Well, you've talked about the, the list that I gave you. Um, the list that you gave back to me, this was number one for you. Yeah, yeah. I've always, and I mentioned this in the taped interview, I've always been a huge Lucha Libre fan. Yes. It was always my favorite type of wrestling. Even when I was growing up, uh, this was the beginning of Lucha Libre for me wasn't even someone who was from Mexico. He's from Argentina, Antonino Rocca. Mm -hmm. He's the first wrestler I ever saw do these incredible flying moves and then uh, there was Argentina Zuma and then as my wrestling life was going on Mil Mascaras just captured my fancy he really did he he was like he made the lucha libre that style look so graceful and so exciting so it would only be natural that Rey Mysterio Jr would fall into that entire lineage of the type of wrestler that I really enjoyed watching. So we had seen him, Josh, you and I were backstage at All In. Yes. And we had seen him at All In. And as soon as I said to him, we, would you mind, would, could we get you on the after chat? He was like a little kid. He said, yes, yes, I would love to do it. So we spent about an hour interviewing Rey Mysterio Jr., and there was a surprise guest that did a uh, kind of like a walk-in. Almost like a drive-in. Yeah, it was a drive-in, but I don't want to give it away until people actually listen to the interview. So right now, let's sit down, relax, and listen to a very compelling interview and a lot of your questions with Rey Mysterio Jr., one of my favorite wrestlers, and as you know, as a journalist and a broadcaster, I'm supposed to be impartial, 
But this guy knows that I've been a fan of Lucha Libre forever with my hero growing up was Mil Mascaras, and I've talked to uh, this gentleman about that uh, many, many times. And this guy is one of the my favorite wrestlers and also my son's favorite wrestler, Rey Mysterio Jr. Welcome to the After Chat. Thank you, guys. How you doing, Josh and Bill? How, how's everything? We're good. We're doing well. We're interviewing Rey Mysterio. So yeah, and we've just we've just all gotten back about two weeks ago from this amazing uh, experience in All In. So before we get to the fan questions, because this show, uh, we encourage the Apta Chatters to write in to our guest. I uh, want to ask you to tell us your uh, your feelings about that incredible, what I felt was an incredible experience at uh, this once-in-a-lifetime All In. I, I actually, my take on it is that was definitely a game changer for this business. Um, I think that, that uh, wrestling will never be the same after All In, uh, meaning in a good way, because all that, all that does is it emphasize on the opportunity uh, given to every independent wrestler out there, you know, the, the doors have opened up for a bigger and wider uh, um, scene for you to be displayed on. You know, I know uh, they talk about WWE being the only company out there where you can pretty much present yourself and be on the big stage. But uh, I, I am going to have to say that, that after All In, you know, there might be bigger opportunities for others, you know, that are uh, that haven't given the opportunity to be part of the WWE, that are looking for a place to eventually uh, perform, and I think this is definitely one of those places. I felt, a doubt. yeah, I felt this. This was uh, when Cody Rhodes and the Young Bucks were doing this. I felt that there's a level of independent wrestling. And then there's like an elite group of uh, wrestlers who were trying to do this full time rather than being weekend warriors. And this just came up to that a uh, little bit, well, kind of more so above the independent level. It, it's that it's a level of guys that may be able to make a living doing this um, on in the middle not wwe and not independent but there's right. that middle ground doesn't exist and i think this may have set the bar for the new middle ground but of course and and i think another thing that that we can't forget or that we can't miss out is the fact that we understand at least i do and i see it now that i'm outside of wwe how much wrestling has evolved in the last four years at least for me uh, it's been four years since I left WWE, so I, I see the the game changing day by day uh, to a more competitive style of wrestling, more acrobatic, more aerial, uh, more hard style, uh, strong style, uh, you name it. You know, it's, it's a different style of wrestling now. And I don't know if you if you were able to witness this uh, in All In, Bill, but there was no holding back. You know, talent wasn't held back as to what can, what they can display or not display. They were just given an opportunity to perform, and uh, they took advantage of it, each and every one of us. 
So, right, do you think um, you're talking about these different styles, and obviously you have experience in uh, really any promotion anyone can think of uh, in, in your career. Do you think that uh, some of this style, this high-flying style, is because a lot of times it's critiqued that it doesn't have, uh, doesn't tell a story the way that some right. matches would. Do you think that any of these, uh, what you saw it all in, or any of the more independent scenes, are you seeing... Uh, less story, or do you think that uh, it's just a story being told in a different way? Uh, you know, I, I think that that uh, based on on the event of All In, mm -hmm. the fans were there to see some of the best wrestling on that night. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't think they were too concerned about storylines or angles. Uh, I think they were just there to uh, enjoy uh, mixed matches that you probably might not get a chance to see again in your life. Right. You know, uh, uh, Penta versus uh, Kenny. You know, that was that was a, oh, yeah. possibly a once-in-a-lifetime. You yeah. know, there was no story behind it. But, you know, you have maybe one of the best uh, of all time right now, Kenny Omega, and one of the best Mexican independent stars, which is Penta. Wait a minute, that wasn't so, Penta, that was Chris Jericho. Oh, you're absolutely oh. right. <laughs> what an angle, huh? Now that there you go, there's, that was memorable. there's a little bit of the story. Yeah, and I guess yeah. I, I meant more the the story in the match than even the story. Because obviously, yeah, yeah they, they didn't, and that's a good point you're making, That uh, and it speaks to the quality of what they put on, that the fans loved it so much. Oh, they did. Uh, without having really any storylines going into it, other than being the elite, I think was the only... Uh, storyline that they had going into this. Um, but yeah, do you think that any of that high flying, because I know in WCW that was something people would always talk about with the cruiserweights, um, that it wasn't maybe right. as much story as it was the action. Oh, and I loved that. That yeah, was oh, my favorite part of WCW. Yeah, unquestionably the action was... Uh, not when was Kevin Nash threw you into the trailer, though. That was not my favorite yeah. part. Well, yeah. I, I have to mention this, that, that back in WCW... The stuff we were doing was an eye opener, and it was new for for the majority of the wrestling fans oh, yeah. around the world, not just in the press. But it was it was definitely uh, uh, something that was being viewed for the very first time. So we, and I, and I say we because psychosis, Ruben uh myself, including, you know, we we were given the opportunity to perform on a big stage, mm -hmm. and at the time. Not knowing what we were doing, uh, you know, we were changing the game. Oh, yeah. We were we were the pioneers of this style. So, uh, you know, it, it's it's actually what we saw it all in is based on the stuff that we were doing back in '95 and '96 in, in WCW. So there was no stories. So what was our story? To have a good match. Yeah. That was yeah. pretty much our story. Yeah, and people sat glued to the TV because they had not, uh, other than uh, what I remember, the uh, Lucha Libre coming from the Olympic Auditorium back in the uh, early 70s and all that, we had never seen that type of uh, action. And I have always loved that uh, high-flying action more than, uh, more than anything. And boy, when you guys did that in WCW, we couldn't wait for the cruiserweights to come in. You know what, something else, right now that you mentioned the Olympic Auditorium, I... I I had a chance to, to chop it up with Colt Cabana backstage before the event started. And he actually mentioned something that is very true. He said, you know what this 
event reminds me of. He goes, uh, and the reason why I'm telling you this, he said, Ray, is because you were part of this event, which was a game changer. This reminds me a little bit of when worlds collide. I was ah. there. I was there. Yeah. And it's very, very true on a, on a different level, you know, but, but it's very true. You know, it was, uh, it was an event that, that was marked down for the history books in wrestling and a game changer as well, because a lot of people out of uh, when worlds collide were able to get uh, an opportunity to perform on a bigger stage, including myself, you know, like WCW. Do you wish the WWE would do something like that? Um, of course. I, I, I always say that, that anytime a company as big as WWE uh, branches out to do something extraordinary mm -hmm. and different for not only uh, the wrestlers that are part of the company, but for the fans to be able to to um, gift the fans with something as good as All In, yes, I think that, that would be a, a, um, a wish within my list. You know, uh, mm -hmm. I think that, that that's very important, you know, uh, to be able to, to cater to the fans on what they like and what they would love to see. Yeah. So uh, a lot of the stuff we've been asking about all in uh, Pat Ackerman, one of the fans had written in something. And just off the top of my head, I, I was I brought up that Kevin Nash thing and a fan named uh, Jimmy Nomix Markov Nomics. said, yeah, how was it? Uh, how was it? Uh, brought up. How was it brought up to be thrown into the building by Nash during the NWO angle? And did you regret doing that? Uh, that happening? Not, not at all. I'll tell you this. That moment was one of those moments that uh, will be talked about for a very long time. Uh, still to this day. Yeah, you know, after twenty years. Something like that. Yeah. Wasn't that? That was what ninety six, yeah. maybe. Uh, yes, I so. It was a long time ago. You but know, everybody, it's still, it, it, yeah. it's a memory that it's just embedded in our yeah. minds. Yeah, it's, it's something that, you know, you take with you. As uh, horrible it was in the moment, <laughs> you know, uh, how impactful it was because of Nash, how big he was and how small, you know, uh, I was at the time. You know, the, just the, the comparison and, and sizes and, and him just catching me and, and throwing me, uh, which I remember the commentators, Tony uh, and Larry mentioned that it was a human dart that got just thrown yes. into the trailer. You know, <laughs> it's just moments that you cherish, you know, and that you say, those are, those are game changers. Those are life changers in this business. Yeah, and I think it actually was a game changer for the business because as people might not think that something so, such a small moment could really change the business, but you you never saw anything like that before. No, and it was and that's why it was so impactful. First of all, but it really did. And and that again, the time in WCW that you had there, so much you you really altered where the business was headed. And it also gave people yep. more of a fear of the fear they already had of the NWO. Very true. Yes. And who who would have who would have thought when that happened that later on. I was going to be one of the guys to beat Kevin Nash. Right. Yeah. You know, and to be nicknamed the giant killer. Yep. Yeah. You know, there's, yeah. there's just a lot of history that ties into everything. I think uh, without even overthinking it, because 
when that happened, that, that human dart scenario, there was no way in mind in any of in any of our minds, including Eric Bischoff, that they said, oh, uh, later on, we're going to feud uh, Kevin and, and Ray. Oh, sure. No, that wasn't even close to happening, you know, but, but that eventually led into something much better for me. It was the dart heard around the world, really. So one of the things that bothered me yes. in WCW, and this was me, and I'm sure it bothered a lot of other people, and a, a fan named Fabian uh, Villalobos uh, had written in something about this, too. But when the when they took the mask off you and you wrestled without the mask, his question was uh, about the negative feedback in Mexico when you returned maskless for uh, AAA for a short period of time when WCW closed uh -huh. down. So uh, was there confusion when you returned to Mexico uh, with a mask when you were in WWE? Well, first of all, yes. let's go back because of the tradition of the mask in Mexico. Uh, how did it happen that you were asked to drop the mask in WCW? It started all as a rumor for, for me to wrestle without the mask. And if I'm not mistaken, Scott Hall was the one that, that uh, kept on saying, let me shoot, man, you got a, you got a baby face. You're a pretty MF. <laughs> he goes, uh, <laughs> yes. Really? He goes, uh, you don't need the mask, right? Come on, man. Look at that. That face sells. So... That began into something bigger and then bigger and less and less escalated up until Halloween Havoc '97, mm -hmm. where Eric had me thinking that I was going to lose the mask that night. Um, I, I was I was paranoid because the mask is everything to me. You know, it's it's my legacy, it's my heritage, it's uh, uh, something that I wear with honor and respect. For my uncle, it, it's what wanted me to become a luchador, you know, being able to, to grow up as a fan and, and seeing my uncle wrestle in Tijuana, uh, witnessing him losing his mask at one point in his career, you know, I broke down crying, thinking that, no, you know, it's not going to be the same. So uh, this rumor began to become reality. <laughs> and... Later than little than later, uh, the night came. You know, the night came of of uh, the orders of me having to lose the mask on that pay per view against uh, Scott and Kevin, which yeah. should have been Luger. Luger was injured. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I, at the time, I I said, "There's nothing I can do at this point." I I fought and I tried, and there's just no sense of of pursuing something that's not going to happen. So I gave in. I was under contract. I had obligations. So I had to commit to it. And I made the best out of it. I'll tell you who was a big help. Conan. Conan was a big help to me because he kept my spirit up. He kept my, my uh, motivation uh, in high spirits, positive. And, you know, to be able to share the ring with Conan at that time when I lost it was, uh, was a blessing. So you, were, you mentioned at Halloween Havoc, uh, you thought you were going to lose the mask that night. Uh, you had one of my favorite uh, outfits that you'd ever had was the full purple <laughs> bodysuit uh, with the mask the attached. Did, did, you, yes. did you have that because you thought you were – like what was the story behind if you thought you were going to lose it that night, you kind of had the, the mask attached to a shirt? Was that all <laughs> part of it? Or? Yeah. Yeah, 
I didn't even, you know what? This is the first time they've asked me that. I didn't even think about it. Uh, I already had the costume uh, set for that night. Mm -hmm. I had no idea that, that uh, the decision of me losing the mask that night was going to happen. That happened uh, after I had the costume designed and made. Um, but that, that was actually the first time that I've worn, and it's been the only time that I've worn a T-shirt, long sleeves, that was like a, a turtleneck, and mm -hmm. the turtleneck was pretty much the mask. Yeah. So yeah, I would have, I would have, I would have had to taken off the whole shirt with the mask if if I would have lost that night. What did you say to the people uh, back in Mexico who were like, "I can't believe you did this"? What was your What was your answer to that? There, there was really no answer. Um, it, it was hard to translate to my Mexican audience, to my sure. Latino audience. Because uh, there are certain things that barriers that haven't been broken in Mexico yet. You know, uh, there are certain beliefs that they want to believe in. They don't want to hear behind the scenes yeah. what's going on. So you lost so, the match. So you what? lost the mask and you had to abide yeah. by the rule. Pretty, pretty much. That was it. Hey, when you, when you did lose the mask at one point, and this was not a question from anyone, but me, because I guess I'm weird, but uh, he, he wrote my, in. It's okay. My uh, my question is: You wore those horns uh, for a while in the ring as a kid. I remember watching that, and my while I thought it was cool, the one thing I always thought was: How are those staying on his head? <laughs> Great those question. Were, uh, they were prop prop made, and they were glued on by this special glue that they use in Hollywood. Okay. That's uh, Hollywood glue. And every now and then I would get a horn knocked out of my head. <laughs> but but overall, I, you know, that was a very fun stage of my career because we were doing what we wanted to do. Yeah. It was just a bunch of friends that were sharing the ring together, having good matches. Disco, Conan, Tori, myself, Juventud, you know, and enjoying mm -hmm. Enjoying it. That was like the first time I was able to, in a way, portray a, somewhat of a heel, if you want to say. Okay. okay. You're allowed to do that. So Adam uh, Sr. Howland uh, brings up something, and this, this kind of runs into a two-part question. He says, why keep going back to WWE if you can wrestle people like Omega, Jericho, Marty, and Cash, uh, and cash in on merchandise deals? Uh and stuff like New Japan Pro Wrestling. So let's let's hit this one straight on. It says, why keep going back to WWE? Of course, the rumors are all over the internet and everywhere. What? Uh, right. Yeah. What? What's your stance on that? Well, well, we got we got just make sure that we keep in mind that rumors will always be rumors. You know, there's there's uh, there's nothing locked in. There's nothing uh, secure that says that I'm going back. Um, you know, I'm I'm doing what I'm doing right now. I'm enjoying uh, my independent wrestling life. I get to choose and pick when I want to wrestle, where I want to wrestle. If I want matches like he just mentioned versus Kenny, you know, uh, I'm gonna make them happen if it's possible. You know, so uh, there's there's no uh, insurance or security right now that I am going back. I'll tell you what though. Um, if the time is right and there's an agreement on both ends, meaning WWE and myself, and 
there's an offer on the table, I wouldn't uh, say no if, if it is correct, if it's the right one. You know, but in the meantime, uh, I'm still enjoying my, my liberty out here as an independent. Is there, is there a, uh, a dream independent match that you haven't had yet? Not necessarily a dream, Phil, but but there has been matches that have satisfied the audience in a way that they they never thought that would have been uh, a match to have seen. One against uh, Ricochet. Yes. Yeah. Uh, another one against uh, Will Ospreay. Oh yes, yeah, another uh, great wrestler. Somebody actually wrote in a question about that, um, asking. Uh, it says, do you, who was this? This was uh, Stephen J17 Sutton asked, uh, do you think wrestlers like Will Ospreay and Ricochet revolutionize uh, cruiserweight wrestling? And what were your thoughts on their match at Best of the Super Juniors back in 2016? Uh, were people right to criticize that match? Uh, which match did they, did they criticize? I, I think this was the Sorry. match where the two of them, they wrestled each other. There was a lot of uh, choreographed flips. and, and, and A lot of high spots. Yeah, yeah. And, and some wrestling purists were, were very critical of it, that it was not, that it was, it, it, it just completely threw, I guess, kayfabe out the window. Or I'm not sure exactly what the, the mm-hmm. criticism was, but, but that it was, it didn't look like it was a, a competition at any point in time. It looked like it was just two guys. Saying, a gymnastics hey, event. Right, yeah. right. Hmm. Um, you know, I, I, the, the, the critic is always, uh, it's always out there. And I think you, you, uh, you have the right to, to give your personal opinion mm-hmm. regarding the match. You know, there's, there's nothing against that. Um, I recall seeing bits and pieces of that match and uh, the stuff that I saw just based on the clips, I thought was amazing. Now I haven't sat down and seen the whole match from start to finish, but uh, when you have talent like those two guys, you know, um, I think they, they have the opportunity to, to please the fans sure. on a whole different level because these guys are game changers. Yeah, and there's a lot of people out there, there are fans out there that aren't critics. They just go to enjoy the matches. They don't sit there like, oh, my God, that's why are they doing this? And why do they just go, like when you were a fan and I was a fan, we still are, that just sat there and enjoyed a match and said, wow, that was great. Right. Yeah, not everybody's right. a um, critic. Exactly, exactly. Um, and and that's, that's the beautiful thing about the sport, that you can – you can get a, a negative critique or you can get a positive critique, you know, and, and based on that, you know, it's, it's your choice if you want to take it and, and do what you, whatever you would like to do with it, whether you need to improve something or take it to heart and, and uh, make things better and, and possibly give that person or, or those people uh, a better critique next time. We've seen your uh, your son in the ring when he was a little kid, and backstage at All In, yeah, we, we got, got the pleasure to see your son again. Um, your son and the wrestling business. What is what's happening, or is there anything happening that you could tell people? Well, he's actually right here next to me. He can answer that question. Oh, hello, Dominic. Nice and Bill. Oh, hi. How you guys doing? Good. You're on the air. You're on the air. It was great to uh, great to see you after all these years <laughs> at uh, 
all in. Uh, so great to meet you. Yeah, so we wanted to find out now. So um, uh, do you become uh, Ray Mysterio Jr. Jr.? No, I don't think that's the plan for the name yet, but I don't know. We, we, have, we have good plans for him uh, on his debut. Now, I, I have to mention that this is, this is the first time that he's done a, an interview, so you guys are, oh, wow. are the first guys. Well, we're honored. That's that's awesome. Uh, so, Dominic, you had told me backstage we met at All In. Um, you said that you were getting ready to head up to train with Lance Storm. Uh, when's that happening? That is correct. Um, my dad and I actually hit the road up to Calgary this Sunday. Oh, wow. So you must be excited about yeah. that. Oh, yeah, very excited. Different country. It'll be a new experience. Why, why Lance yeah, Storm? Lance, we, we know that Lance is an incredible uh, trainer, but what made you um, go to Lance Storm? Let, let me go ahead and jump on that one because Please. I, I was the one that suggested Lance to him based on the last time he was training was in Tampa with uh, Jay Lethal. And I spoke to Jericho briefly uh, over my son's training, and he was the one that told me, you should send them out to Lance in school. Uh, you know, we both worked Lance in the past, and he said he's a really good uh, trainer, man. He goes, you, you won't be disappointed. So uh, the first thing I did was call Lance, hit him up, and we set it all up. And Lance is such a, a, a good human being, man. He, he took my son. I have to say, like, if it was his own kid, because he said, don't worry, Ray, I'll take care of him. And goes, and I'll spend some time with him uh, personally, one-on-one. So, uh, you know, I can't ask for more. Well, Dominic is a little bit uh, taller than you as well. Oh, uh, I'd say much taller. Yeah. <laughs> Dominic, <laughs> oh, do- how tall are you? And Dominic, um, right now I'm 6'1". Six 6'1". One. Six one. And tomorrow he'll be 6'3". <laughs> <laughs> when are you looking forward to maybe making your pro debut? What, what do you think, Dom? I mean, I mean, at the end of the day, I think it's it's all up to my dad. Whatever he sees, if he if he sees that I'm ready, then by all means, I'm I'm ready to step in there. But until he says I'm I'm ready, that's when I'll be ready. I, I don't I don't think you'll have a better a better coach, in in the sense that I'm I'm only going to guide him and give him direction, and of course I'm going to be the last one to. Uh, get a hold of him in the ring. I'm just going to polish him up as much as I can before he uh, decides to step in the ring or before we both decide for him to step into the ring. But uh, I think it's, it's uh, one thing I'm not going to do is I will not send him uh, into a ring if I see that he's not prepared and I see that he hasn't put in the work. Of course. Do, um, uh, I was going to ask you, is your style, I, I, I know Lance Storm is more of that classic wrestler. Your style, Dominic, are you looking to go more that way or to uh, kind of mix in your dad's style along with the, uh, uh, the classic uh, catch-as-catch-can style of a Lance Storm? Um, me, personally, I have, a, I have a background of playing uh, football. I've played football for eight years. And uh, I'm a ve- I have an aggressive personality, so I would I would like to go in there and you know work some strong style, and just be aggressive with what I do and everything that I do. Oh, I know I, I saw you beat up a lot of guys backstage when we were at All In. So yes, very <laughs> very, very very aggressive. 
No, I, I was going to say, I think just with how wrestling has evolved in the last couple of years, you know, um, I'm sure it's not going to be the same, uh, whether it's a year or two years from now when Dominic is ready. You know, uh, the game is still changing. So I think once he feels comfortable in the ring, uh, training with Lance, training with Jay, um, I want to send him to Mexico as well. Mm, I want to yes. see if I can send him to Japan as well. You know, I think little by little he's going to start picking up his own style and doing stuff that he feels comfortable doing. So I think that's that's still in, in growth right now. Yeah, to to learn everything he can and then develop his own style based upon all the various styles that he's learned. So, we, you know, for me, when I saw Dominic backstage, it was the first time I'd seen him since seeing him on WWE TV. Yeah. And I actually I made mention yeah. to you, Dominic, I said, I was like, I don't know why I'm so surprised that you grew up. But uh, I guess in my mind, I just figured you were still, you know, a young kid. Um, what was that like for you? And then, Ray, for you to have your your young son involved in that um, in that storyline with Eddie Guerrero. Uh, what was that like for you guys? Uh, for me personally, it was definitely an experience. I was I remember being in third grade when we were doing this angle. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember going back to school and people started asking me if if who was picking me up was it my dad ray or was it my dad Eddie? Oh, man. <laughs> so it was, it was definitely an interesting experience at the, and i think too too young at the time to really soak it in mm-hmm. and realize what he was involved in oh man uh, but for, for me to be able to to share the ring with my son and with one of my best friends and not only share it but be emotional uh you know in every sense of the way uh, you know, how many dads uh, get an opportunity to bring their kids to work, uh, yeah. but not only to work, but to come to work and to be on TV and to travel the world and to make money. You know, he was making money at that age, so they were yeah. paying him, which, you know, everything was, everything planned out, you know, the way it should have been. And that's thanks to Eddie, because I, I believe Eddie and, and um, um, who... Who helped Eddie with the story? Um, oh my God, I, I went blank. Anyways, I, I know Eddie had a lot to do with with how the angle panned out. Well, one of one of the funny things was for anybody who had seen you without your mask in WCW. <laughs> Uh, while it was a great storyline, Dominic looked exactly like you. Oh, yeah. So yes, it was, yes. Wow. You know, I, wow. I remember watching that going, all right, I think we know who his father is. Well, that's why but... Ray met, wears the mask now, so no one will confuse right. them, of um, course. I actually, I had a question uh, about, real quick, and I know we're keeping you on here for a while. Uh, we were talking about Eddie. Um, when he passed away, you received uh, a push shortly thereafter um, almost like a, in a tribute to him. Um, and I was always kind of curious if there was ever any discussion with Chavo um, because you were kind of carrying the Guerrero name. I don't know if I'm, if I'm, if I'm articulating this well or not, but if there was ever anything uh-huh. about the fact that you kind of carried the Guerrero name um, symbolically, whereas Chavo actually had it, was there ever any, um, not animosity, but... Ever any discussion about how that was? Yeah, how yeah. that was you as opposed to him? Uh, uh, no, you know what? Uh, it, there, there was never such thing. I think, if anything, uh, Chavo was happy that 
that this was all happening, mm-hmm. uh, you know, as well as Vicky through, through me. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the fans were the ones that, that picked me as the one to carry on with the name sure. because of the relationship that we had. So, um, it was just, it was, a, it was, a I was, I was in the position to, to carry on the Guerrero legacy because of, of, again, how close Eddie and I were, you know, and, and um, never did I feel uh, any animosity or anger or beef with Chavo at all. If anything, uh, I received more support from him and from, from Eddie's brothers as well. Well, you certainly, you know, made the name proud. So. Yeah, absolutely. Well, he was family to you, and uh, I'm sure he lives every day in you. Very. Yeah, yeah. Every every single day. So let's go back to a couple of the uh, fan questions here. And Dominic, thank you for being uh, part of this as, as well. Uh, so hashtag everybody in Chris Spears um, says, uh, uh, Dear Ray Mysterio, once your active wrestling career is all said and completed, uh, do you potentially see yourself still working in the business like an agent or possibly a liaison of Lucha Libre, Lucha Libre exposure in the U.S. like your mentor, Conan? You know what? I, I've never really thought about that. Um, well, it's time to do that I'm right sure. now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not ready to hang up my mask yet. <laughs> no, we know that. We know but that. Not, You're still yeah, so I'll good, by what, the way. If, yeah, thank you. Thank you very much. If the opportunity was given to me, I don't see why not. You know, I think... Um, uh, to be able to share the knowledge that I've uh, picked up in almost 30 years uh, being in this business, you know, is, is a blessing. You know, uh, I, I think it's good to, to help others out. And I would really receive a lot of satisfaction doing that. Well, I think, and also you're an example of somebody you had mentioned before with Kevin Nash, where nobody was saying, oh, this will lead to one day a feud with Rey Mysterio and Kevin Nash. You're an example of, of a guy that, uh, while always entertaining and always very talented, a lot of people, I don't know that anybody looked at you in, in when you first showed up in ECW or when you first showed up in WCW and said, oh, yeah, one day he'll be WWE champion. Yeah. You know, and so I think no. that that's I think that's something that you can really inspire people to say, hey, you know, just because someone's looking at you one way now, that doesn't mean anything. Of course. Yeah. And I and I believe that very strongly, not only just in our sport, but in any sport or in any uh, career that you might uh, want to be a part of in life. I think that just shows that if you put in the work, the time and your heart and mind is motivated to, to go after that dream, you know, uh, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. There's, there's, uh, there's nothing that says otherwise. Yeah. So you will accomplish your goals. Before you were on the national uh, picture, before everybody knew who you were, I was, and my photographer and assistant, Jason Lavin, were taking pictures of you and Hoovy and Psychosis and all those guys in a little place in Philadelphia, the ECW arena. Just briefly kind of tell us about your experience in ECW. And is there any truth to the rumor that you were once thrown out of the dressing room because they thought you were a fan? <laughs> they didn't let me into the, re- to the dressing room. Really? Because they thought I was a fan. Yes. For some reason, I got locked out. And I stepped outside, and then when I tried to come in, uh, they were like, 
ID. I said, no, 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 I'm part of the show. No, no, no. And I forgot who it was that helped me back in. But, yeah, that didn't well, happen. Oh, wow. that, that was Atlas Security that wouldn't yeah. let you in, huh? <laughs> Unbelievable. I don't know who it was. But tell us about your experience but, but, in uh, ECW because that was really uh, the, the real start of you guys just – breaking out and uh that was uh, my first exposure yeah yeah it it was it was such an awesome experience because ecw um was like the the gateway you know for for you to eventually uh get picked up by by wwe or wcw you know that that was that was a um in a way a smaller platform without disrespecting the company to eventually uh, get picked up by by the bigger companies, you know, um, and at the time, Eddie Benoit, oh, right. Jericho, and Dean were just leading ECW, and Psychosis, Conan, and myself were pretty much replacing them in a way. And you know that that was it was, but it was such a cool experience. Keep in mind too, guys, that I, I uh, uh, this these were all new phases in my career that I was enjoying very much. I, I never had a plan to, to make it to WWE. I never had a plan to make it to WCW. You know, these, these were all just experiences that I was going through uh, and living the moment. I was just enjoying my wrestling. So a couple of years ago, when, when you ended your career with the WWE uh, full-time, um, you, you were, your last appearance was at the Royal Rumble, um, and you right. unfortunately were uh, you received the uh, the brunt of the fans' displeasure about Daniel Bryan not being in there. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> yeah. I was curious your opinion on, or, or uh, what your feelings were on that, uh, juxtaposed to when you returned as a surprise entrant in the Royal Rumble uh, yeah. uh, most recently. Uh-huh. Well, the the first one was definitely no hard feelings um, against the fans or anyone. You know, I think it was, I was just put in a spot that wasn't meant to be for me. Right. It was meant to be for Daniel Bryan. Right. That's what the fans wanted to see. So when you don't cater to the fans what they want, um, that negativity and that booing, uh, I now understand that it wasn't directed towards me. Right. It was, it was the directed situation. to the booking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so, uh, you know, at the time I didn't understand what was going on. I was like, why are they booing me? What's going on here? Right. And, you know, after watching the, the event, I understood exactly why it happened. Mm-hmm. Now in comparison to this year's Royal Rumble, they kept it a very, uh, good surprise. And to come out number 27, when, the fans didn't even expect it. The ovation was tremendous. Yeah. Uh, I, my adrenaline was going at a thousand per hour, you know, and, and one thing is talking about it. Another thing is being there in the moment. Mm-hmm. And the moment was like no other. And you also, you, you returned in possibly the best shape of your career. Um, this at, at you know we talked about the potential of you retiring at some point, but you really you know and we just saw you at all in. You really you you look maybe the best oh, you've ever looked. Yeah, you ring. you were absolutely amazing. I mean, we, we were Brandon and I was sitting up there, and you were like you know, twenty eight year old Ray Mysterio Jr. Wow, 
I tell you, it uh, it definitely costs a lot of work to uh, to come back in the shape that I came in. Uh, but that that just that just goes to show that uh, anything is possible. You know, not just reaching your goals in in life when it comes down to being in a certain position, but to be able to look the way you want to look. And not just that, more importantly, to be able to feel great, you know, and, and, and more than looking good, you know, I felt great. I felt uh, rejuvenated. I felt like I can, I can, I could still gone another 30, 45 minutes and beat my first Royal Rumble uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, time. <laughs> you know, there's yeah. someone we mentioned a while ago. Uh, we have two questions left. Uh, someone we mentioned a while ago that I want to dwell on a little bit. You mentioned uh, Conan. And I know, because I know you so well and I know him so well, you've had an incredible relationship with Conan as both a friend and a mentor. Tell us how that right. how, how that whole thing really happened and where that is today. Well, that, that relationship started when I was roughly about 11 years old. Um, Conan uh, was in the Navy, living in San Diego. Uh, somebody told him, you got to start training wrestling. He was just a jacked up big guy. He knew nothing about wrestling. Comes down to Tijuana. My uncle starts training him. That's where I meet him. That was Ray Mysterio Sr., correct? Senior, that is correct, yes. Right. I, I hadn't even begun my career yet. I was still training. I was an 11-year-old kid. You know, um, he then becomes a big megastar in Mexico and AAA is about to open up. And the first thing he does is, is uh, uh, tell me that I need to go over to Mexico and here's my big opportunity. So uh, obviously we became good friends. Now, can you imagine a 23, 24 year old uh, making a friendship with an 11 year old? Yeah. Uh, just, uh, yeah. The, the age difference was, you know, but, for some reason, there was a connection there from day one that we did not see until obviously now that uh, it was a good connection. It was that, that brother family love connection. You know, uh, I've always seen him uh, the more I got to know him as a big brother. And I, I believe he, he will say the same about me. He's always seen me like his younger brother, like his kid brother. And uh, that just opened up a great relationship between yeah. both of us. And I'll tell you this, Bill and, and Josh, it doesn't matter how good you are at what you do. Sometimes if you don't have the right person with that right connection to open up doors for you, you will, you will, uh, you, it'll be hard for you to succeed, you know, and, and Conan, what he did, you know, I owe him my life for for opening doors for me, for giving me the opportunity and the platforms to be able to to display my my style of wrestling. The fact that he believed in me at a very young age, you know, and and he believes in me now uh, is a huge blessing to have had him in my life. Well, you you had Conan and. Uh... And I have Bill Apter. Well, <laughs> he has opened the doors, you know, for me Thank and uh, giving me an opportunity to do things like this and get to, to talk to That's you. That's how it works. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, I have one last question for you from uh, Pat Ackerman. Um, we mentioned him earlier. Uh, he had a question about 
the all in main event and about the the time um, and uh-huh. what it was like to be in that environment. Um, did you feel rushed? How how did you when did you know you guys were going to have to go home early? Um, and then a question that I can add on to that is I remember it, it seemed like it was a, a decent amount of time once your music started playing before anybody came out. Um, what what was going on that I mean, the show was incredible. Um, but what was going on that, that led to, to that? And what was it like to be in that situation? Well, you know, they always say you got to live the moment, right? Yeah. And I believe we all, we all live the moment. Um, it was an unfortunate uh, situation for all six of us. You know, that uh, um, you got to, you, you just have to picture this is the first big event that they've done. Um, you know, and for for a first big event, there weren't that many uh, mistakes mm-hmm. that happened throughout the night. This was one of them. But but uh, overall, I think that the fact that we were able to put on a, a really good match within the time that we oh yeah that we put in, absolutely. You know, uh, I think it's a blessing. Oh, it, of it course. Was, you know what? We would have gone. Mm-hmm. You guys knew it, but the fans didn't know it. Exactly. That's the important exactly. thing. Exactly. But I'll tell you this. The, obviously, the word got around really quick right after the match. Uh, and the fans still enjoyed that match very, very much. Just imagine if we would have gone the full time that, yeah. that we had planned out. I liked it. it. I actually been. liked it the length it was because it was a good ending to a great show. It was a great ending to a yes. great show. Yeah. Really and was. you know what? Maybe if we would have gone our, our full time, maybe the match would have been the same. Maybe it would have been better. Yeah. Right. We will never know. We'll never know. So uh, here's the last question now. Yes. Either now or in the future, in one corner is Dominic and Rey Mysterio. Who are the two opponents anywhere in history or current guys that you would love to team with your son against? Oh, wow. That's a really good one. Um, Dominic... And Ray Mysterio versus who? Wouldn't others? be Bill and Brandon Apter, right? El, El Brando and Wonderful Willie. El Brando. <laughs> that would be, that would be a really good match. <laughs> yeah. Um, wow, I think that's such a... I, you know what? I would probably pick Brett and Owen. Wow. That's what a great answer. What a great... And especially <laughs> since he's headed to Calgary. Yes. To Canada. Brett yeah. and Owen. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I said to you something in person the other day uh, when I saw you at All In last week. I said there are two people, when everybody asks me who are the nicest guys in the wrestling business, and I said it's not just the wrestling business. They transcend this. I said one of those guys is Sting, and one of the guys is Rey Mysterio. I want to thank you so much because I know you don't do a lot of these and uh, I really appreciate your you friendship and your professionalism through the years with me. Thank you very much. And, and like I said, Bill, for you, anything. Um, it, today, tomorrow, whenever you want to do another one of these, you know I'm down. Well, thank you. I really I appreciate th- I that. I thank you, too. This was a career highlight for me, for sure. And by the way, by no. the way, I do want, you know, fans do know about the Cow Championship Office Wrestling okay. Championship and that... Uh, the only reason you beat me and you didn't get the belt was because Conan interfered. That's a heck of a mentor interfering in the match. That's but it. it. I'm going to leave but it at that. It was a no DQ match. 
No, no, I never heard that. I never heard that. Oh, at the after get, chat here. Grab that belt. I'll shit. That's it. That's it. At the after, after chat. <laughs> Bill after. Josh Chernoff with Ray Mysterio Jr. Thank you, Thank so, you so very much, much. Thank you guys too. God bless you guys. What a fantastic interview with Ray Mysterio Jr. Yeah, and his son Dominic just happened to be in the car. Yes, which was fantastic and you know what i have a sneaking suspicion that dominic is going to be a big star in this business one day and for us to be able to have the honor of having his first interview uh i don't think we'll be able to appreciate that uh for a couple of years how cool that is yeah but that was very cool and it's an exclusive you'll only hear at the after chat yes so uh, something was bugging me i called the office you asked me to call before Mm -hmm. and for 10 minutes i was on hold no music no uh, voiceovers, nothing. It was like I almost fell asleep. Yeah, why do you think I asked you to call? Yeah, well, that, that's why. But you know what? If you had uh, Smart Hold, do you know what Smart Hold is? It's a message on hold. Uh, if you have Smart Hold, this only costs you $35 a month, and there's no, there's no contracts or anything. Wow. So what happens is when you call this number, instead of getting dead silence, you'll get a professional advertisement, a professional message. You'll get some sort of a message that makes it interesting for you to hold on, to want to hold on. So you're not getting all ticked off saying, when is this person going to pick up because you are being entertained. So with Smart Hold, the message on hold, you get pro voice talent, male and female, uh, unlimited message changes, uh, professional script writers, broadcast quality audio, fresh background music, music licensing fees, and even a smart hold player should, should you need one. And you know what, Josh? No charge for that at all. Really? So yeah, just 35 bucks per location served and no contracts. So the best thing you can do if you have a business or something that you want to get your message across and you don't want people to just Hold on with dead silence. No, that's the worst thing. Nowadays with cell phones, people might think you, that, that they got disconnected. Yeah, like they hung up on you. So right now, go to www.smart-hold.com. That's smart and the dash sign, hold.com, and order today. That's www.smart-hold.com. Be smart. Get smart hold. Don't just hold on forever without that message. You know what feature I really like that we just actually started recently? What's that? It's the After Chat poll. Yes. The After Chat poll was something that we put out on Twitter, at the After Chat, and we asked you, the After Chatters, a question this week. And uh, and you guys came in with a, a lot of comments uh, uh, and some really strong and valid opinions, and we wanted to talk a little bit about that. So the question we asked... You can only watch one promotion. Which one is it? We gave you the options of the WWE, Ring of Honor, New Japan Pro Wrestling, and Impact Wrestling. And the results, Josh, you have right there on the After Chat computer. Oh, is the After Chat paying me for this computer? Um, the check's in the mail. Okay. Uh, in fourth place, Impact Wrestling. In third place, New Japan Pro Wrestling. In second place... Ring of Honor. I wonder what first place promotion 
is there. World Championship Wrestling. Is that right? <laughs> the WWE with yeah. 55%. Yeah. And I thought that that was interesting that over half, that if you combine Ring of Honor, New Japan, and Impact Wrestling, it still was going to come up short to the WWE. A theory I have on that is a lot of people kind of consider Ring of Honor, New Japan, and Impact almost interchangeable with some of the talent. That's a very, that's a very, very good point. Um, but all of them combined are still not quite, but they're knocking on the WWE's door. Absolutely. Um, in a lot of ways, they're knocking right, they're, they're walking right into their house with Madison, Madison Square Garden. Square Garden, sure. Um, and uh, I, I think that, you know, we had a lot of, uh, a lot of the after chatters right in here. Andy Funes says, uh, the talent, the history, and lastly, the different stages and shows. Uh, he was, he was uh, going for the WWE. We had uh, Paul Skivers uh, went for the WWE because he liked the overall emphasis. Uh, I'm sorry, he went for New Japan because he liked the overall emphasis on wrestling in each match. Uh, Rob Gorman said the WWE because of the best production quality. Um, we had some other ones here. Impact. This yeah. was an issue. Tom Skull. Right. Impact is the most watchable. No authority figures overtaking the entire show, just good wrestling and fun storylines. So these are all, Bill, really valid opinions. And I would have to think that – I wonder how many of these people who uh, said the WWE are maybe just not familiar with, with Impact because it's on pop. You know, it doesn't have the same – it's not USA Network. It doesn't have the uh, – The reach. They don't have the WWE Network, yeah, you know? Yeah. So I, they don't have that reach. They don't have that exposure. Same with Ring of Honor. Same with New Japan. New yeah. Japan has a little bit more. Well, Access TV. Exactly. Yeah, it's, it's pretty large. Ring of Honor is mainly syndicated. Right. Yeah. So I, I think that uh, I'd be curious to know and, and tweet us at the after chat, did you choose the WWE – because you like it better, or did you choose the WWE because that's the only thing you're familiar with? We'll have another poll next week right here on the After Chat. Kayfabe Events, at Kayfabe Events on Twitter. And fans, if you would like to be entered in a competition to win some signed Bret Hart merchandise from Bret Hart's last tour with Kayfabe Events in England, all you need to do is follow at Kayfabe Events on Twitter and retweet for your chance to win some signed Bret Hart merchandise from Bret's last tour there. The winner will be announced Sunday, that's this coming Sunday, Hell in a Cell, Hell in the Cell night. Or a cell. Yes, Who even knows one of those. Anymore? Yeah, the hell, it'll, it'll be announced in hell on uh, Sunday at uh, 9 p.m. That's UK time. And also want to announce that tickets are now available for events with, excuse me, Vicky Guerrero in November. And by the way, I am part of that tour. I will be in London and Brighton. Go to at Kayfabe Events Twitter page for information on that. And also, in February, The Real Rikishi will be touring for Kayfabe Events in the United Kingdom. So, go to at Kayfabe Events on Twitter and enter right now. It'll just cost you a retweet to get some free Bret Hart merchandise. You will be entered into the competition. And I so look forward to seeing 
the after chatters out there in London and Brighton when I'm there the week before the U.S. Thanksgiving. See you at the matches, mates. All right, Bill, what an episode this was between star maker Kenny Bolin sharing his uh, deepest, darkest secrets, it seemed like. Uh, maybe they should have stayed that way. Yes, some of his words, by the way, would never come out of my mouth, as no, you know. Yes, no. and I think uh, maybe they shouldn't have come out of his either. Maybe but... not, but if you'd like to hear more of Kenny Bolin, make sure you let us know. Yes, if you like what Kenny Bolin is, uh, is, is serving you, uh, let us know, and uh, and we will have him back on. Uh, I think it's fun. Kenny Bolin comes here to say the things that Bill Apter can't say Absolutely. and won't say You're right. and wouldn't even think of. You're right, so, exactly. So uh, I think that that's a, a, a great uh, juxtaposition to the the uh, regular dynamic that we have on this show. I, I think you're absolutely correct. Uh, next week, we've got somebody who uh, has been outspoken in, in uh, his time in the wrestling business. Yeah. From the Red Hook section of Brooklyn, our guest next week will be Taz. Yes, and Taz, as you know, rarely does any podcasts other than his own shows. Yes. And we have a very candid interview. We had a lot of fun with Taz. He was very controversial. Yes. Uh, he talked about his time in ECW his time in WWE, what he's currently doing, and some other topics that will, well, he kind of got very, uh, um, what do you want to say? Uh, what do you want to say? Well, he, he, he got... He, well, why don't, why don't we just wait till next week and the after chatters? Yeah, some of then. the things he said were some things that I didn't think would come out of his mouth. Like Kenny Bullitt? No, not to that extent. Got nothing like that. No. No. No, not at all. All right, After Chatters, we will see you next week, and we will see you... Oh, what is this you just threw at me, Bill? That's my book. I know. I've read it like seven times already. It's still on sale as Wrestling ah, Fix. I'm going to read it an eighth. I didn't know it was broken. As Wrestling Fix, I didn't know it was broken. You can go to theafterchat.com and follow the link there. It'll take you right to Amazon where you can purchase this book. Are there even any left? There are a few left. You can still get them on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and even at walmart.com. Hey, I have a question for you. What? Last week we did a little thing where I asked you uh, off of this book. I said, you know, hey, this guy's on the front cover. Yeah. And I asked yeah. you a question about that. Uh, you just mentioned Bret Hart, who I have said is one of my favorites of all time. Yeah. Um, when did you first meet Bret Hart? At a National Wrestling Alliance convention in Las Vegas. He what year? Had just oh somewhere in the uh, I don't remember the year. I'm terrible with uh, with that time. Are we of talking? Time where frame. was he in his career? Uh, he just he was just starting. He was a rookie. Oh, still in Stampede. Uh, yes. Okay. He was still a, he was a rookie there, and I met him. He was uh, uh, walking with uh, uh, his one of his brothers mm -hmm. uh, through the lobby, and I went over and introduced myself. And uh, we talked for a little while because I knew his dad very well, Stu gonna, Hart. Do you have a Stu Hart imp uh, impression? Oh, everybody does a Stu Hart. But I, I, Stu, when you asked him a question, it took forever uh, to, yeah, no, he was more like, like this. He'd say, uh, uh, Stu, hi, how are you today? Well, I uh, I am, uh, I am, uh, well, you see, I yesterday I was, uh, and he, he never uh, really would get to the point. And Brett kind of has that tone of his voice. Yeah. You know, the best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be. So the older Brett is getting, 
the more he is reminding me of Stu Hart. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he really is when I absolutely. See but uh, you people can uh, Googleize uh, Bret Hart, uh, one of the early uh, NWA conventions. It was probably in the, in the, uh, somewhere in the late 70s okay. when I first met him. After Chatters, hook us up. Tell us. When was that? Yeah, you can do that. You can do that. Uh, what else do I want to talk about? Uh, we talked about the book. Also, on um, October 20th, I will be doing a live after chat for um, Awesome Wrestling Entertainment yes. in Waynesboro, Virginia. So go to Awesome Wrestling Entertainment's page on Facebook uh, and you can get tickets. There'll be uh, lots of legends there. The Rock and Roll Express will be there. Uh, I will be doing, as I mentioned, an interview with Sting in the ring and so much more. And Josh, you and I will be at a uh, show in Flemington, New Jersey, promoted by Modern Vintage Wrestling. Yes. Let me clear my throat of some Flemington, New Jersey. Yes. So that I can uh, do commentary for that show. Along, I hear that I'll be doing commentary with you for at least a couple of matches. For a couple of matches. And we will be doing a live after chat in the middle of the ring with a very special guest. And uh, I, I'm uh, really excited about that. Well, I do want to mention to people that uh, this is a very special benefit show uh, for a lady named Jackie who has been uh, a wrestler, a valet, and been in the wrestling business for many, many, many years. And all of us love her. And she's had some uh, major health problems in the last few years. And this will be a... Uh, Modern Vintage Wrestling fundraiser yes. for Jackie. So go so to Modern in, Vintage yeah. Wrestling on Facebook. Yeah, if you're in the area, please come by. Number one, we'd love to see you. And more importantly, uh, it's for a great cause. Yeah. Uh, yeah, really looking forward we to it. We love that. Jackie. Hey, yeah. what about uh, a Legends of the Ring event coming October 15th. Yeah. Yeah. And this is like the 4,000th. Uh, edition of Legends but of the, the Ring. the first one that I think, there's a rumor going around, will feature two members of the After Chat, you and me. Yeah, there will. But now yeah. also supporting us, mm -hmm. if anyone's interested, um, and you can go to legendsofthering.com or go to their Facebook page, but there's some group there that, you know, this is like the semifinal event, you and mm -hmm. I being the main event here. There's a group there called the Bullet Club will be there to Cody Rhodes and the Young Bucks and yeah, who'd they ever beat? And yeah, yeah. But no, Legends <laughs> no, of the Ring. Uh, we the we will, be, will there. be there. That was just announced. Yeah. That they will be there. Some great legends. Uh, you know, it's Legends of the Monroe, Ring. New Jersey. You the gotta be there. The million dollar man Ted DiBiase will be there. Yes, yes. <laughs> and oh, is he here now? So yeah, come always support Legends of the Ring. Great convention. One of my favorite conventions of all time. Twice a year they run. And it's a don't miss this. Yeah, we'll talk about date, that October fifteenth as we get closer to it and uh, what what kind of fun things we'll be doing. By the way, October twentieth at Awesome Wrestling Entertainment. Yeah, it's my birthday weekend, and they told me they're going to have a surprise for me there. Okay. Yeah. It's not me. It's not you. No. no. Well, hopefully you'll be there as well. That's a, it's an awesome wrestling entertainment event. Sounds awesome. We should awesome. all be there. All right, Josh. Bill. That's about it. Is wrestling fixed? Uh, I didn't know it was broken. We'll see you at the, at matches. the matches. Can we time that again? We'll see you at, at the, the matches. Ma Let's try that one more time. We'll no, see no. you two times. That's it. At the matches. He's got it.